Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 1989's A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, the fifth installment in the popular horror series, finds the besweatered nightmare killer Freddy Krueger trying to re-enter the world through Alice the Dream Master's unborn baby's dreams. He also rides a skateboard at one point, and we're here to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> and we have a guest with us this week. Beth, say hello. Hello. So we have uh, Beth Van Dusen. Beth, tell us, tell us who you are in your podcast and all of that. Uh, well, my name is Beth Van Dusen, as previously stated, and I co-host a podcast called Execute Chapter 66, where we talk about Star Wars books, new, old. We talk about comics. We talk about specials, animated stuff, series, all things Star Wars, but mostly books. Fantastic. And uh, the reason uh, I thought it'd be cool to have you on this episode is because we were on a panel together for Dragon Con's American Sci-Fi Classics track about horror sequels. And the Elm Street sequels came up as popular horror sequels. Not this installment, because as we'll, for reasons we will get to. Um, but I thought it'd be good to have a, another voice talking about the Elm Street movies, especially because I don't consider myself as much of an enthusiast for these movies as some people do. And I don't know about you, Michael. I, I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, to be honest with you. I uh, I watched, I remember I watched Friday the 13th on like a gloomy Saturday when I was about 12 or 13 years old on HBO and it scared the living shit out of me. And I don't think I watched another horror movie for like another 20 years. And since then, I have watched a lot of what you'd consider the classics. Uh, oddly enough, Nightmare on Street 5 uh was not considered enough of a classic for me to to have watched until uh until this very point but uh i i have to admit i really did i've i've grown to enjoy like a a good like slasher horror movie uh but i avoided them for many many years how about you beth where does the nightmare on elm street series fit into your personal canon well it's i mean it's a classic series it it's back there with the uh the jason movies it's it's back there with i mean it predates all of the chucky movies and and all of your other slashers like your candy mans and all those kind of things freddie initially started as very scary and i would say that the the concept of freddie is terrifying because where where can you hide totally agreed to me that's the hook is that you just everybody's got to go to sleep i agree in the first movie he's genuinely scary in this movie. He was roughly as scary as one of the villains from the Adam West Batman series. I would say, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I, and again, like I, I, you know, I don't have a huge, you know, background with these films, but the one thing it, it that occurred to me in this movie is that it really d did seem as though like, it's almost like completely 
ineffective even in a in a dream scenario because the moment that the person having the dream starts to assert any kind of control over what's what's happening he's sort of like it's it's sort of like his hands end up tied behind his back because he's he's like at the whim of that person's mind does that does that read to you like that's kind of like and it and it, it, in, a, in a way it seemed effective to me to me it seems like occasionally the characters will fight back like we'll get more into the comic book artist guy like he turns he turns himself into like a badass superhero right but then freddie will you know come out with a henny youngman-esque one-liner and turn <laughs> and turn the tables again and kill them i guess that's true because they all die so i guess I guess that's not the most prescient observation, but yeah, it's, uh, I think that was the thing that struck me is that as cartoonish and silly and, and sometimes genuinely scary as some of the, the, the sequences are, they, they do end in the death of a teenager. So I guess that is pretty damn scary. Well, Nightmare on Elm Street three set that precedent of the fighting back. And that set that with Patricia Arquette's character who went on to be in Nightmare on Elm Street for the character, not Patricia Arquette. She got real jobs after that. Um, and then in four, Patricia Arquette's character meets Alice, the Alice character. So that's kind of the pass off between those two characters. So that's the passing off of the, I give you the power to pull people into your dreams with you, which once they got that going, it, it kind of set it on a path that it, they couldn't veer off from if they were going to keep her character if they wanted to stop it they had to get rid of that character right is that the dream warriors yes is that three or four that's three three is dream warriors i the only memory i have of that movie was that in 3d no but it that's a that's a pretty awesome movie honestly i I don't know if it works as a horror movie i don't know if it's that scary but it has this kind of like new mutant superhero team aspect to it that as a kid watching it, I just thought that movie was awesome. I loved that they were the Dream Warriors. They had a great like Dawkins song all about them. I was going to say that was Scorpions, but I guess you're right. That was Dawkins. No, it's totally Dawkins. Uh, Freddie, it's is it Freddie Four? Freddie Four has the Fat Boy song. This one just reuses an old Cool Modi song. Yeah, I was I was laughing hysterically at the choice of the Cool Modi song. Yes. At the, because the only beef Cool Modi seems to have in, in the in the closing credits is with LL Cool J. That song is clearly written as a diss to LL Cool J and has makes no mention of Freddie. I'm like, how how did this song like they couldn't have called Cool Modi up and been like, hey, write a song dissing Freddie fingernails. I'm sure it would have been amazing. He was probably not busy. He was, and yet it's just a lot of vitriol uh, uh, shot at, at one LL Cool J. You know, that makes me wonder if LL Cool J's appearance in Halloween H2O is a clandestine response to the diss track being in this Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like, well, I'm going to go in the other horror franchise. <laughs> Probably deep, deep down, because this would have been way later. But deep, deep down, he carried that that seed of anger for a long time. Kubogi, uh is a, is a holder of grudges, as, 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 at least in song. 
that I know that I that I can. But man, he uh, he was really mad at LL in the closing credits. I was like, oh, geez, <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> Watching this again, one thing I'd forgotten was, you know, going back to how scary Freddie was at first was how wet he used to look. Oh man, it's it's wet and dark. It's That's... so unsettling. But by five, he is so dried out looking <laughs> that it's just it's not an effective makeup. It's not scary. There's just this is not really a scary horror movie by this point freddy's one-liners and and jokes and it's just all set up for a pun right every single death scene it feels like we're doing a final destination to get to a pun right and it's it's it also seemed to me that like and the the the, this part of the movie i really enjoyed was how elaborate the the death sequences were like that that old sequence with the kid on the motorcycle who like turns into so that was like wow this is amazing not scary but amazing no i'd forgotten that whole part and i was just like oh my god this is great it's hard because i i can't sit here and say that the movie was good but i had a blast watching it it's a breezy 90 minutes you know the acting's terrible but it's never boring right i totally agree i, I the, and you know we've we've discussed this before we have watched some clunkers on this podcast and this one I was, I, I remained engaged and enjoyed watching the movie. You know, I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like practical makeup and special effects that look amazing because they're like real. And, you know, yeah, like you said, like the, at least there's always something happening. The, the acting is pretty terrible, but at least it, it's, it's, it was snappy, brisk. Even Robert Englund, who maybe was more menacing in other films in this series, but in this installment, I thought was very much phoning it in. Oh yeah, I mean, it, you could, I feel like that's at this point by by episode five of anything, aren't you? Kind of like, all right, I I know the moves here. <laughs> it's 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 it reminds me almost of. So I have a really good friend who's a huge huge fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and uh, every year for Halloween, he goes uh, in whatever capacity he goes as Freddy, but some years he literally just puts on a striped sweater the hat and the glove and that's and that's like episode five freddy <laughs> and then other years he does the full makeup but what year he even shaved his head so he could get the full the full effect of the makeup and that's more like nightmare on Elm street one freddy so let's uh i'll give a shout out to luke taylor <laughs> because he likes freddy fingernails more than anyone that i've ever known well for halloween i'm much more likely to turn on a halloween movie but Again, it, it suffers just like Jason. Halloween suffers from the the sequel slump. And and Nightmare on Elm Street, of yeah. course, is no stranger to that. And there are points in this movie where you get brief glimpses of Robert Englund without the makeup. He's playing a, a different character. And those, it feels like, even those brief minutes, it feels like he's having more fun with that than he is putting the makeup on. And I get it. Yeah, so I I actually looked that up, and I guess in the asylum scene, Robert England is supposed to be his own father. I think he's supposed to be the person who impregnated the nun with the Freddy baby, which is, man, that is a lot going on there. Like That whole subplot bothered me. Yeah, the, yeah, it it, it 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 was like, oh, we're going into some territory here that I, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to pretend that what is happening is definitely. <laughs> 
be, being a child molester wasn't creepy enough. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Like, oh, all right, now you're ugh, all right, man. <laughs> it's like they got to top themselves with each installment. It's true, and I and you brought it up earlier, Kevin. The sequence with the the comic book kid, where he like goes into a comic book world and turns himself. I thought that was awesome. It's also the scene that uh, has a little bit of skateboarding, <laughs> so that was pretty great. Yeah, I remember getting the text from you because we, we were originally going to do Chopping Mall yes. for our Halloween episode. And then you texted me and said, Freddy Krueger rides a skateboard in Nightmare on Elm Street 5. So I was like, well, I guess we got to do that. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, somebody somebody else posted it on their I forget, Instagram. Somebody posted that they were watching it in their stories and that Freddy does a does like a a. a a trick called a boneless and then rides through the through the scene and i was like well then this dovetails perfectly into my into into some of my interests how's freddie's skateboard form mike i think that the main uh it's such a brief interlude and it's funny because there's no mention at all of like the comic book kid being a fan of skateboarding so i'm not really sure how the skateboarding sequence Maybe it was just that it was like kids stuff, like comic books. And I don't know. I'm not sure how that related to the scene. But uh, one thing that uh, a lot of skateboarders agree on whenever there's um, whenever there's skateboarding in a movie, oftentimes uh, there's not a lot of attention paid to, to, to the stance the person rides, meaning if it's a couple of different stunt doubles, one person will be riding right foot forward. And another person will be riding left foot forward and there's no continuity, but at least there was continuity in stance. <laughs> was was it anyone of note doing his skateboard sequences? So I will, that, that is an excellent question because it brings up an interesting thing to me, which is that oftentimes in doing a little bit of research before I record the podcast, if there's a movie that features a, a, a very nominal or minimal amount of skateboarding, uh, there's almost no mention of it in on IMDb. I looked it up. I mean, you know, and you, so what you end up doing as a as a person who's a fan of skateboarding is looking for any name that might at least just like ring a bell. And there was nothing like that. There was a lot of stunt performers listed, but no like pro or even amateur level skateboarder from that era that I could like click on and be like, Oh, that was that guy. So it was no one of no, for all I know, it was like the key grips kid. <laughs> I have, I have no idea. And I couldn't get the, like, cause also you like, you know, I try to like pause the movie and freeze frame it and see what model board they're riding. And there was no indication. Uh, it was well worn, which I thought was a, was a good touch because you know, it's Freddie. So he's going to, He's going to have it all. It's going to be like burnt and wet, as you as you mentioned earlier. But yeah, there was so little to go on there that I I got nothing. The only thing I got is that Ted Nugent was a, of the a member of the rock band that was playing at one point in the movie, and that's that's that was the only other name that I was like, oh, that guy. All right. <laughs> I I got to be honest with you. The whole the biggest takeaway for me in this whole movie was the the goddamn Cool Mo D song. We just wouldn't leave <laughs> a Cool J alone. It's like, what are you talking about? I was I was legitimately about to turn the movie off, and I was like, "Wait, Cool Modi's talking smack." Oh, not about Freddie though. It's it's a good thing that there are no popular rappers of the time, like say Will Smith, who had recorded a Nightmare on Elm Street song that could have been licensed for this. Yeah, yeah, he uh, it, he he literally did a Nightmare on My Street song. Was that never used in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? No, 
Really? It was unlicensed. The The Fat Boys did the licensed one, and Will Smith has the more well-known and more popular one that features no Robert Englund, no legitimate Freddie anything. Okay, this is a this is a teachable moment. You're you're <laughs> telling me that the song Nightmare on My Street by the Fresh Prince is in no way actually related in any way to the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Well, it's about it. Well, yeah, but it's not like it's it wasn't. I guess what I'm saying is it wasn't a part of the of a soundtrack. Shockingly, no. I did not know that. I assumed that it was like that was like Nightmare on Elm Street four, and that was the the song at the end credits. And it seems like a layup. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> he was trying to get into acting at the time and be like, okay, well, you're gonna dream, you're in a rap battle, and then Freddie's gonna show up and say a terrible rap pun and then kill you. Yeah, that that who was asleep at the wheel here? I, I, we got maybe he was trying desperately to get into a Freddy movie. Yes, exactly. And thought that would be the perfect segue. Hey, look what I can do! Well, see, I like to imagine it as Will Smith as a fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Be like, I know, I'll write this perfect Nightmare on Elm Street related rap song, and they're sure to call and we'll put this at the end credits. And I, to, the fact that 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 never happened and that I've been under the assumption since the song dropped that that it was part of that that canon is is uh I got to be honest with you I'm, it's that's blowing my mind a little bit right now well in an ironic twist Will Smith went on to star in a film called Wild Wild West and Cool Modi did not ouch burn man that has a lot of layers going on in this episode you know Cool Modi carries a grudge right you're on the list <laughs> Right. He can't, well, and I remember he performed. So, and so here's an interesting thing that dovetails here is that the song Wild Wild West that, that Will Smith performed, I think contains a sample of Kumo D's song Wild Wild West. And Kumo D, he did appear on stage with Will Smith when he performed the song, I believe, at the MTV Music Awards that year. I know they brought him out and was like, hey, this guy. And he, did a little a little bit i remember that so it's not a totally open-ended situation it all ties together eventually eventually <laughs> a long, on a long enough timeline freddie gets on a skateboard and now we're talking about it <laughs> and we've we've tied all those loose ends together on this podcast <laughs> so bully for us there's some things in this movie that i did want to call out in addition to the skateboarding uh it starts with a shower scene which i thought was an interesting choice since uh, it's not like there are any iconic horror movie shower scenes that this that this would be competing with. Somebody was like, you know what we need? A shower scene. <laughs> you know where people might get scared is the shower. Shower. Well, you're at a you're at a a, a, a sort of a, a oral disadvantage there, I guess you could say. I mean, that might have been an homage, but <laughs> possibly. But I, it's funny when the when the goop came up from the drain. In my head, because you know that's the I guess that's the rule of watching horror movies is you're you, you're supposed to sort of scream at the screen. Like I, in my head, I was like, okay, if you saw goop come out of the shower drain, the first thing you would do exit. would be exit. What? Don't put your hand near the drain. Get out of the shower. <laughs> and I'd seen this before, and I was still like, what is? Why? What are you doing? <laughs> Don't you know you're in a horror movie? <laughs> yeah, you don't stand in it. Even if at that point it might just be like sewage backing up, the first thing you'd be like is, "Oh, I gotta, yeah, I want to get, I want to get out of the shower." 
<laughs> now, Beth, you mentioned that you watched some of the other sequels recently. Where does this fit in quality-wise? Oof. Well, it's not great. Um, and I would say as fun as as fun as Dream Warriors is, it's it's also not great. Um, I had completely forgotten two was as good as it is because two is a possession movie and it's not about Freddie trying to kill sexy teens at all. It's well, he is, but he's trying to possess the main character to live again, to kill sexy teens. Whereas in this, he's now the deformed Voldemort looking child of a hundred lunatics and then he's just a little baby monster born to a raped nun. It's it's overly complicated. So, so the story is overly complicated for what they want to put into it as far as acting, as far as direction, as far as makeup, as far as anything. They overcomplicate the story. I like the idea of watching this movie with no prior knowledge of any of the other Nightmare on Elm Street films, because this film doesn't go out of its way to explain anything at all. And I hadn't watched the Nightmare on Elm Street movie in probably decades, but I, you know, I knew who Freddy Krueger was. I knew he had Phaedra dreams and all of that, but I, I really liked watching it through the lens of like just going in cold. And it felt like, it felt yeah. like, it felt like an art film. It felt like Valerie in her week of wonders watching it that way, where just Alice is walking through the park. And then suddenly there's girls doing a creepy nursery rhyme. And then there's a nun and she's walking through an MC Escher painting, all this trippy imagery. I like, I really kind of liked that experience. Right. It, I, I felt kind of the same way in, in the same way. It had been so long since I'd seen any of those films that, I mean, obviously Freddy's iconic enough that I, you know, I knew what was going on, but you're, you're right. Like taken totally out of context, it would just be like, what is, what is happening here? So what, what quality wise, I know you guys haven't seen all of the movies recently, but did you think it was a good movie or scary movie? Or did it make you go, I don't want to watch the rest of these ever, or I want to watch the rest of them immediately or nothing. Uh, I, it, I enjoyed watching it. I like, I, 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 I actually had fun, you know, like I, I you know, I'm a huge, I, I, I have a huge affection for anything that has like practical, like rubber mask makeup and make it work, <laughs> you know, style special effects. Um, it made me curious. It actually made me curious about the, about Wes Craven's new nightmare, because that's one of the, one of the ones that I actually saw in the theater. And I remember thinking, and you know, it's it's funny because Wes Craven went on to do those screen movies that are so self-referential. And I remember thinking at least at least a new nightmare was like a super sort of interesting take. Like if, if I'm not mistaken, the the concept of that movie is that like Wes Craven is in the movie, right? Like he's like Freddie now is like trying to cross over into like the real world, and it's a world in which Wes Craven actually exists right and so i remember yes. i think i remember seeing that in the theater and being like all right there's like some weird prismic meta <laughs> things going on here it's meta before we knew what meta was yeah yeah i remember being like wow that's that's an interesting because isn't doesn't even robert england is in it but as robert england right yes like, heather langenkamp is playing heather langenkamp and robert england is playing himself and and heather goes to him for advice and 
And Robert's like, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to not do Freddy movies anymore. So I don't know what you're seeing. Right. So, yeah. So that, and, and then, and, and when you think about that as like a preamble to the, what the screen movies became, I thought that was really interesting. And it may, I guess to answer your question, it made me want to watch that movie again. It also made me want to watch the, the, like the newer, like the reboot, because I remember seeing that and I can't, I honestly can't remember if I liked it at all or not. It left no impression on me, which is probably not a great ringing endorsement, but I feel like the the Freddy versus Jason and and the reboot they're better they might be better if you've not seen all of the other movies leading into that like maybe right. if I'd never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie the reboot would have resonated with me the only thing I got from the reboot was yeah they made Freddy a little creepier but the core concept of Freddy was already creepy and he started creepy yeah. it's just over the years they lost their way Right. So it wasn't like a big revelation to to just bring it back to square one. I thought Elm Street 5 was campy fun. I enjoyed watching it. I don't know if I would rush out to run the series with it. Um, I, you know, I thought Freddy's wisecracks were on the same level as Dom DeLuise's were as the magical talking skateboard and the skateboard kid. Um, <laughs> if that's the standard we're working with, then yes. <laughs> um, I, you know, I liked it as a Halloween episode for this podcast, um, but I don't know if this made me want to uh, do a full rewatch of the series. I, I would maybe fire up the first one again, because I think that's a legitimately good movie. And I would maybe watch dream warriors because i remember that being awesome and beth you saying that part two is good maybe would make me want to check out that and i've heard that part two is is really bonkers and uh has like a very bizarre like kind of 80s subtext about like homophobia i think that movie's super gay without being gay at all it's super gay and uh i'm actually watching a documentary about the lead actor who was gay and spent years of his life furious with the writer of that movie for writing gay subtext and just denying it the whole time and so they went back and forth for years fighting and and the actor was traumatized over it because he felt like he was being called out in the script and it's it's not subtext if you watch it by today's standards it's just all out gay so it's very interesting to watch now looking at it through that lens yeah now it's i guess now i have to 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 sort of like change my answer to i guess i'm gonna watch all the nightmare on elm street movies because just one and two <laughs> one and two one maybe two. three stop there i don't know man that new nightmare that's it's it, it's calling to you it's called it's 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 <laughs> one two freddy's calling to me i i, I failed in in the uh the rhyming couplet there but, but then if you do that and you've already watched the fifth one you might as well yeah watch the fourth one to get all that important backstory okay so i guess i guess uh i guess that's what i've got my i wonder if they're skateboarding in any of the other ones i not that i know of but i mean then you have to you have to carry on to uh to freddy's dead right the final nightmare the fine the final ish nightmare and that one's not any good either man that's that's quite a track record. <laughs> Freddy only kills three teenagers in this whole movie. Right. The core group. That seems like a low bar for a slasher movie. Well, there's so much other there's so much other stuff going on. It's packed with incident. 
Well, there's a lot of setup. It yeah. takes a long time to set up the Rube Goldberg machine of the those deaths. Final Destination took a long time to get it set up. They basically took all of this setup from Freddy and perfected it in Final Destination. But here, Freddy's just getting started. Yeah, I was disappointed when the Mark character, who's kind of the comic book skateboard guy, gets sucked into the comic book and... I was hoping for a full aha take on me homage. Like it would just look like that music video, maybe with the song and that you'd see like take on me Freddie instead it, you know, it, it sort of looked like a Joel Schumacher set instead. Right. It was very much, it was right there. They, they were, they were that close to it. He, he does look like a drawing at one point. And then it was all filmed. Like you're right. Joel Schumacher. That's, that's, I couldn't figure out what I was, I was watching it thinking like, why do I know what this look, but that's, you're right. That's like, it looks like those Joel Schumacher Batman movies where everything's filmed kind of crooked. And I thought this, I actually thought this was like pretty well shot. Um, it, I mean, it looks like they had maybe two weeks to pull the whole movie together, but within like what seemed like very severe budget limitations and very severe time limitations, they were doing some creative, interesting stuff. It all got on the screen, Kevin. Yes. All over the screen. <laughs> Visually, it was the most interesting part of the movie. And I felt like they could have just let it go on a little bit longer. If they're going to do that much setup, they could let it go on a little bit longer because that was the only part that was visually engaging or really story-wise. Not a great movie with one second of skateboarding. <laughs> Perfect. And that's how we do things on Gleaming the Tube. <laughs> Beth, thank you so much for joining us to talk about that was great nightmare on elm street five the dream child uh please again tell our listeners where they can find your stuff well thank you again for having me and uh we are execute chapter 66 and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts fantastic and i should mention that michael and i do another podcast about the 80s detective series Moonlighting with our friend Liam called Let's Get Chatty about David and Maddie. And that is also found, I think, where you can get podcasts and at moonlightingpodcast.com. And Mike writes and records an entire new song every week for that podcast, which we don't do for this one. But maybe, uh, maybe you, Mike, you can bless us with a couple cool Modi lines now. <laughs> um, off the top of my head. No, I cannot. <laughs> Just say something bad about LL Cool J. You're fine. Oh, nobody could say anything bad about it. that's the whole thing. LL Cool J. <laughs> if you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have a problem with a rapper, it can't be LL. Ladies love Cool James. <laughs> that dude has that dude has had the most uh, the most uh, storied career in all of rap. In fact, uh, side note: a new LL Cool J re- uh, record is coming out, produced by Tribe Called Quest Q Tip. And man, what? is that a, yeah, yep. They're both from Queens and they they vowed that they were gonna work together and, and the record is forthcoming. So that's what I'll say about Cool Modi. <laughs> well, I've I've seen the shark movie Deep Blue Sea starring LL Cool J, so I can say something. Yeah, he's uh... I, I won't because I don't want to start a war, but I could. <laughs> he's very muscular, very handsome. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy you all know me and we scared as
Shows up when I'm sleeping. I can't believe. 